With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Justin is basking in the euphoria of Los Angeles Lakers thriving in the Western Conference Finals, and I can't stand it at all. We're just going to ignore this guy for right now and get to it. Your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. Did you like how I set that up, Justin? Job's not finished. Job's <laughs> not finished, Saul. Oh, my gosh. You know what? Four I, more. Four more. And then on top of that, you went out and got a, a very special guest today, which we're both excited about because we're both hoop heads. And so, um, you know, we're going, we're going to go ahead and get straight to it. You know, for those of you who are Lakers fans or just – you know, just a good fan of good writing, especially in sports. And there's a lot of, there's, I mean, millions of sports books out there, but this guy is a New York times bestselling author. He's written books such as love me, hate me, which is about Barry Bonds and the giants and that whole, you know, that whole scenario, uh, football, uh, for a buck, which if you don't know about the USFL, uh, and, and that heyday, and especially the Arizona Wranglers, awesome. Totally check it out. <laughs> And uh, and then the Showtime, it's called Showtime, which is another book about the Lakers focused on uh, the Showtime era Lakers back in the day. And now he has gotten back into the fray with the Lakers once again, wrote, written a book called The Three Ring Circus about the Lakers dynasty under Kobe and Shaq. And so we bring in the one and only Jeff Perlman. Jeff, how are you doing today, sir? I can tell you factually that there is a there's a uh, studio musician named Jeff Perlman. The former mayor of Delray Beach was named Jeff Perlman. So I'm definitely not the one and only Jeff Perlman, but there are actually many. You Jeff are the Perlman. only one that matters to us tonight. You're that's the goat. You don't live in, that's because you don't live in Delray Beach. Otherwise, <laughs> the goat, Jeff Perlman. Yeah, thanks. There you go. There you uh, go. So, Jeff, uh, the Three Ring Circus, uh, it's available on Amazon, wherever you can buy books. It just came out. I have to ask you, what was your motive to write this book? I just, um, I love characters. I love big characters. I feel like that era had really, really, really big characters. If you look at all under one tent, you know, Shaq, Kobe, Phil, all guys playing in the same franchise. So when you're trying to sell books, you really are you're inevitably going to ask by a publisher. They're going to say, well, who's the character who it hangs on to? Who's a, who's a person who draws in, you know, like it's hard to pitch a book about like the 1980s, New Jersey nets because Buck Williams is not drawing in readers, you know, but like Shaq and Kobe and Phil, they're drawing in readers and they're people care about them and they want to know about them and the dynamics. So it was a sort of a pretty good topic to do. And I just pitched it and did not have of all the book deals I've had. It was probably the easiest one to get because people were legitimately interested in the topic. When you first started researching this topic and then you got into the just the dynamic, I mean, first of all, we, we got to talk about Kobe and Shaq and just the relationship. Were you surprised at how how early their, you know, maybe their their strife with each other or, or the lack of getting along, um, how early in the process that really occurred? I didn't know that much going in at all. So I I actually grew up a New Jersey Nets fan in New York. So I it was not like I was a diehard Laker fan throughout my life. So you know, I knew they had their problems. I didn't realize Kobe showed up at training camp his first year and said, introduced himself as, my name is Kobe Bryant. I'm from Lower Marion, and no one here is going to punk me. Like, I didn't realize that was his introduction to the other Lakers. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I sort of knew the the basics of it, but I didn't realize, like, there's a lot of, it's a lot of basic human, and human, you know, there's a quote, youth is wasted on the young, Right. And I feel like in a way, this relationship speaks to youth being wasted on the young words. Two guys, and they need to be the quote-unquote alphas. And it's so stupid. It's the dumbest thing ever. Like, what, what does that even mean? You know, like, you need to be the alpha. Like, just play basketball. You're both really good. You're out. You're getting made millions of dollars. This is the greatest thing ever. You should be 
celebrating every night just because you get to do this for a living. And a lot of the ruinous of it all came down to two guys with big egos who just didn't feel that comfortable sharing the spotlight with one another. And I guess I was taken aback by how extensive that was. Now, unfortunately, in January, Kobe Bryant passed away. For you, did you have to tweak anything in the book before it was published? I did. Well, the book was done. But then let me do in the front of the book, I put a uh, like a three page author's note. And um, the number one reason by far was uh, in a way it was fans like you, like you're a diehard, diehard, diehard Laker fan, correct? Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. And you're a diehard, diehard Kobe fan, right? Yep. And that's like, why wouldn't you be right? The thing I was worried about, to be honest, I guess there were two things. Number one, I didn't want people to think that a book about 96 to 04 that, you know, who someone is when they're 25, 26, it, it, it isn't who you are when you're older, you know, like it's, it's all part of a developmental course, you know, and everything we go through, the highs and the lows and the blah. It's like LeBron when he said, you know, taking my basketball talents to South Beach. Like, I'm sure now he would look back at that and be like, oh, that was really dumb and embarrassing. And, and, and like a lot of the things we do when we're younger are embarrassing. And, and we look back and we think we did not have the judgment then that we have in our older selves. So I just thought, number one, I wanted to make clear that um, the Kobe I'm writing about here was not the Kobe with the four kids uh, with the Academy Award, who was a youth basketball coach who died at 41. It was just a kid in, in the de developmental process. And to be honest, I was worried about people, diehard, diehard, diehard Laker fans who don't pay attention and say, look at this asshole. Some guy comes along, Kobe dies, and he rushes out a quick book about Kobe Bryant. He's just trying to take advantage. Like, that really worried me. Like, really worried me. So... I sort of put that there at the beginning just to say, listen, this isn't what you this is not a rush job on Kobe Bryant. This is a period of time in his life that was reported before his death. So that was the only thing I added. Otherwise, it's the same book. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was gonna be my next question was of course, with that era, there came 2004 when Kobe Bryant was accused of rape, and that's a part that uh you touch on in the book. Now, what can readers expect? when they get to that portion of the book and how transparent all that information is. It's very transparent. It's, um, it's funny. So I have a mom who Joan Perlman, who is a non-sports fan and she rarely reads my books. She'll read little sections of my book, but she doesn't read that much because she cares nothing about sports. And I told her with this book, and this was after Kobe died when the book was coming out. I was like, you should just read the chapter called room 35 and room 35 is the room in Eagle, Colorado, where he was staying when he brought the, the young woman back. I just said to, because you'll get an understanding of the reporting that I sort of dug through on this and what it was like. Um, it was a hard chapter to write. It's a really hard chapter to read now that he's gone. Um, I couldn't avoid it because it was a huge part of what happened during that span, obviously. It's, you know, I don't know how much you guys paid attention to it. I mean, he basically flies out to Eagle. There's some crazy things that happened that I learned from this. Number one, he flies out to Eagle, Colorado to have knee surgery. He didn't tell the Lakers he was having their surgery. He arranged it on his own. So Lakers were really pissed because they're like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, like we're paying you millions of dollars. You can tell us that you're having knee surgery. He didn't. Then they land in Eagle, Colorado, and he and his he has like an entourage of I think four bodyguard types. They get to the wrong hotel. They go to the wrong hotel. They show up at the wrong hotel, but it's another resort. And the resort sees it's Kobe Bryant, and they're basically like, you know, we don't have you booked here, but if you just want to stay here, we, we are happy to accommodate you. It's, it's a big deal. You have Kobe Bryant in your hotel. And I always think, what if Kobe Bryant had said yes? Like, what if he just stayed at that hotel? Not the hotel he wound up at, but stayed at that hotel. So then he goes to the other hotel and he, he asks, this, there's this woman and she's an attractive young woman working the front desk. And he says, um, can you show us to my room? And okay, they show him the room. And she says, can you come back later and give me a tour of the hotel? Okay. And she came back later and gave him a tour and, you know, they, they started fooling around. And then what happened next is up to interpretation. But what's interesting is the next day he, um, she went to the police and was interviewed by the police and they administered a rape test. And then they went to the hotel and interviewed Kobe Bryant. And they found Kobe Bryant walking through the parking lot of the hotel on crutches because he had had the surgery that morning. And there's a moment where you just want to scream at Kobe Bryant from afar, just from reading it or when I was researching it. And you want to be like, 
tell them you can't talk without an attorney. Like just tell them you can't talk without an attorney. Don't, don't do anything, but make it clear you need an attorney. Because what he does, they ask if he had sex, sex with her and she, he says no. And then probably within five minutes, he says, okay, here's the thing. I did have sex with her. So they caught him in a lie immediately. Then he keeps talking. He's clearly scared and he keeps talking. And then when the detectives do something very cagey and that Kobe just fell for is like, we don't want to interview out here in the parking lot. Why don't we go back to the hotel room? We'll go back to your hotel room. That way we'll be private and tell your bodyguards. They don't have to come. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, the worst thing you want to do is take someone to the crime scene where he's using your brain. And he did. He walked it right back. They collected clothes. They collected underwear. They collected everything. It was, it's so interesting how clutch he was under pressure in basketball. You know, like he was just, cold-blooded and you know wasn't afraid of any situation but in this moment he really panicked and he almost the da was convinced he did it the detective i interviewed lead detective on the case was convinced he did it um he would have gone around 20 years in prison um but at the end the woman who was suing kind of backed out but it's a crazy wow it's crazy wow that's something that I've thought about a few times, and it's just a weird thing that goes in my head. If he had gone to prison for 20 years, he'd be alive today. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. But but he wouldn't be the Kobe Bryant that we know. No. So he'd just be that no. one guy that could have been. There's a know, movie, a Gwyneth Paltrow movie called Sliding Doors, where she misses a train, and her life goes this way because she misses a train. And this way, because she caught the train, just one train, you know, one train that she caught. She goes home, she sees something. And life is a series of sliding doors yeah. where you just never know. And that one moment, not, I mean, those moments, going to Eagles, getting to the wrong hotel, not staying in that hotel, going to the other hotel, um, you know, all these little things led to a crazy, crazy scenario. That's crazy. Wow. Well, er- early on in, in the in you know in the relationship between Kobe and the Lakers, um, obviously he was a very young man, and so he he kind of naturally gravitated. I saw that you you had spoken about Rick Fox and how he kind of naturally gravitated to him. Uh, you know wh- how how intense was that relationship? Were they like mentor and mentee, or were they just was he just somebody that he felt very comfortable going to? And how did that relationship develop over the course of Kobe's time and Rick's time with the Lakers? So it's actually interesting. I would. I would disagree with a little bit of what you just said. Not all of it, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, if you look at Kobe's time with the Lakers, there's a series of veterans who were brought in and sort of asked to help him out. Um, from Derek Harper to and Ron Harper to Carmelo Malone and Rick Fox to John Sally and Horace Grant, Brian Shaw, obviously. They're always – that was in no order, but there's always veterans brought in. And I remember um, J.R. Reed came to the Lakers. in a tra- He was part of the Glenn Rice trade from Charlotte. He was a throw-in in that trade. Former North Carolina forward J.R. Reed. Yeah. And J.R. Reed told me that one day Jerry West came up to him and said, you know, I really like the way you deal with younger players. Is there any way you can help Kobe and sort of help steer him? And he said, sure, I'll give it a try. So J.R. Reed started, you know, he'd be on the plane. And he'd be like, hey, Kobe, come back here, play cards with us. Nah, man, I'm good. Kobe, a bunch of us are going out to dinner. You want to come out with us to dinner? Nah, I'm good. Kobe, we're going to go see a movie. I said, nah, I'm good. And Jerry Reed said at some point, he was just like, I just quit. And John Sally told me one time, he was just dazzled that he was able to get Kobe to come out. They were in Miami to come out to South Beach one night. Can't believe this. Kobe's coming out with me. This is amazing. This is so cool. He never goes out. And they're at a club. It's 1030. Kobe looks at the clock on the wall or his watch and just is like, yo, I, I got to get out of here because I got to work out early tomorrow morning. And John said, I was like, it's 1030. It's like, no, man, I got it. Derek Harper told me when he was at the Lakers, every now and then he would take Kobe out for lunch. And Kobe and Shaq one day said to him, what do you what do you do with Kobe? He said, I don't know. We just eat. And Shaq was just shocked that he ate with someone, you know, like that he ate with another teammate. Um, when Kobe got married to Vanessa in Dana Point, not only were none of the teammates invited, I don't think any of the teammates knew he was getting married. And I think most of them didn't know he had a girlfriend. Like, so did he have a better relationship with Rick Fox and most of the other players? Sure. They both spoke Italian. Uh, they both had kind of immigrant stories to a certain degree in their backgrounds. Um, They're both worldly and smart and well-read and all that stuff. But he really didn't allow himself to have a really tight, like his closest friend on the team was Derek Fisher. 
And I remember reading an article four or five years in where he still hadn't been to his house. The Derek Fisher had not been to Kobe Bryant's house. And that was his closest friend on the team. In fact, when Kobe reported to training camp in 03, um, he reported late because of everything going on with the sexual assault trial. A reporter asked, um, will you confide? Will you at least be able to confide in your teammates about everything that's going on? And Kobe's response was, why would I do that? So he just wasn't that guy. It's not even a criticism. He just wasn't that guy. So even Rick Fox, his closest teammate was like most guys, fifth closest teammate. It was just a different sort of thing. Wow. So there's a part in the book where uh, four guys get into an elevator. It's Charles Oakley, Donald Trump, <laughs> Nets Jason Williams, and Kobe. And Jason Williams, you know, said, hey, what's going on, Kobe? And Kobe just kind of, you know, side-eyed him and just gave him a little nod. But it, he didn't view it as respectful. So then Jason Williams and Kobe, they go at it. And then if, out of all people, it's Donald Trump, the current president of the United States, stepping in the middle of them saying, like, no, you guys can't fight. Uh, that part was was crazy, but outside of that part, what would you say was, was the craziest part of the book, in your opinion? Oh man, I mean, I love. Um, there's nothing better in the history of basketball than J.R. Ryder's season with the Lakers. So J.R. Ryder, Isaiah Ryder, came to the Lakers yeah. in 2000, 2001. Just a couple of stories. So he came. It's funny because at one point they thought they might have something here. Like he basically was a troubled but talented. Guy, you know, slam dunk champ, could, could really score, very athletic, but not always all there. And they got him real cheap. And they brought him in and they started doing like, when they were doing media publicity photos, it would be Shaq Kobe, J.R. Ryder. Shaq Kobe, J.R. Ryder. It's a, you know, so they had expectations, but he was super undisciplined. And my three favorite stories about J.R. Ryder is number one, he, uh, he was late for, I think, three practices because his car broke down. But they only live 300 yards away from the practice facility. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, one day they were on the road and he was late to a shoot around. I think it was a shoot around. And um, he shows up at the practice facility and hands a note to Phil Jackson. And it's a note written by the front desk clerk at the hotel where he was staying saying that, please excuse JR's tardiness. Um, we forgot to give him a wake up call. So he's given this to the coach of the Lakers, a please excuse tardiness from like Jim, the 26-year-old Hyatt front desk. And then one time they were, this was Rick Fox's favorite store actually. They were in Toronto one time and they're going through customs and the dog just starts going off at J.R. Ryder, just just going off at him hard. And um, they pull J.R. Ryder in the customs, they detain him and they have to go get him. And it turns out they found literally zero drugs on him whatsoever but his tracksuit smelled so much like marijuana from probably the years and years of just soaking in marijuana that they actually <laughs> thought he had drugs on him and they detained him. The best. I love J.R. Ryder. He's such a nice guy too. I actually went to his house to try to get him and uh, I didn't have a phone number. So I just knocked on his door and it was, he was not happy to see me. And I ended up having like a great two hour conversation with him. That's fantastic. The, 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 the note part when they handed it to Phil Jackson for some reason, the first thing that came to my mind was like, Phil's already dealt with that with like Dennis Rodman. I feel like that's something Dennis Rodman would do. Well, one of the things I love, like I love about these books, like Rodman played for the Lakers in 99, 2000. So he's a part of the book and it's awesome. Cedric Ceballos was there when, uh, when Shaq and Kobe originally arrived and he nicknamed himself Chice, short for franchise because he believed he was the franchise player. What kind of guy gives himself the nickname? <laughs> I mean, you know, Cedric Sabalos does. Cedric absolutely, Sabalos. a thousand yeah. percent. Have you dealt with him? <laughs> I yes, I have. <laughs> I have met him on a couple of occasions, and yes, that does not surprise me. A little bit of an ego there. I don't know if you know what it is. Just a little but, bit. <laughs> um, and then you know, J.R. Ryder. So like, I love those characters. I love those like kind of quirky, kooky guys. They like make a, a book really fun. That's funny. Well, if there was ever going to be a a third establishment of the of the trilogy would you ever think about going down the road and covering what lebron has done and the circus that has come with him and and what he's brought to the table and trying to reestablish um the lakers as the the model franchise they, they've always been i'm not really so one of my things that does it for me is nostalgia you need the third ring of the circus i know yeah but i'm really into nostalgia and i'm not very to me, this is like I'm not that nostalgic. I won't. I don't think I'll ever be super nostalgic for. I'll definitely be never nostalgic for 2020 because it's the worst freaking year ever. But like, as far as like, I feel like there's someone else. I feel like there's a younger writer who would come along and who really sort of came along watching LeBron James do this. 
would be better at writing about it than I would be. Because I'm not a, uh, it's like I grew up a Laker fan or I have like these loyalties to Lakers. They're great to write about. They're obviously a very successful franchise. But um, yeah, I'm really drawn to the characters. I, I could see one day someone doing a great LeBron biography, like just a great, great book about that guy's life and career. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you guys can write it, the new Laker book. Maybe Justin can write it in his yeah. Laker book. <laughs> I don't know. Your boys will LeBron, Saul. You hung out with him in Las Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not going down that road. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, you got nine books. Um, I hope I, I do have that right. Correct, nine books. And if if there's one besides this one, obviously, which you're you're you know you're you're making the rounds and you're 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 publicizing it as well. You should, and it's a great book. Uh, what what's Perhaps your other favorite one of the eight others. I have two that are very, very kind of special to me for different reasons. One, um, my last book, which was about the United States Football League, which a lot of people don't even remember or heard of, or blah, blah, blah. But it was this kind of obscure spring football league in the early 80s that they end up really going head to head with the NFL. Donald Trump was an owner of one of the teams. Yep. He actually ended up ruining the league, but it, which wasn't why I pitched a book, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but nobody wanted me to write that book. Like that was a book that. I was told repeatedly, nobody wants a USFL book. What's the point? And I just really busted my ass really hard to write that book. So I was very proud of that book. And, you know, I felt good about it. And then the other is uh, I wrote a biography of Walter Payton called Sweetness. And, I mean, Walter Payton to me was just this larger-than-life hero who hung on my wall as a kid. And just to be able, you know, he's the only person I've ever written about um, birth to death, which is really interesting. And, and it sounds corny, but kind of an intimate experience you really feel like you get to know someone you see the stages of his life so that was a really meaningful book for me that was probably the hardest book i've written as far as the amount of energy effort time sweat tears that went into it man so what's next uh obviously three ring circus has come out um and that's your most recent book i don't know have you thought about maybe future projects and something that you possibly want to tackle um, the next book I'm doing, I already started working on, is a Bo Jackson biography. Nice. So, uh, you know, big, big fan of, uh, I was, I grew up a huge Bo Jackson fan and kind of fascinated by, you know, he's almost more mythology than real. That's what I like about him. You'll, even my kids, their friends their age have looked up YouTube clips of Bo Jackson just to see this thing that it seems like did even exist, you know, just came and went so quick. So that's my next I used to have the I used to have right. the the poster of him with the shoulder pads and the bat and half Royals, half Raiders, and oh, yeah. on my wall for mm. the longest time. And so, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. My daughter's a senior in high school, and she has she's gotten really into it. So I bought her the Bo Jackson one with the the shoulder pads with the bat. Yeah, uh, you know, with the just no shirt on. You know, this thing. It's cool. Yeah, he was yeah. a badass. Dope. Yeah, awesome. he was he was awesome. Well, Jeff, we thank you so much for joining us today on the Total BS podcast. Much luck to uh, to your book and the publicity of it, and it, it's a great read for anybody out there. We have put uh, a link to purchase the book in all of our comments uh, threads. So if you guys get a chance out there, please uh, click that uh, buy button. Yeah, check it out, and uh, good luck to you and your future endeavors. And uh, we'll be looking out for that Bo Jackson book for sure, Jeff. I just want to say I feel like the three of us have a very interesting hat trio going on here. <laughs> yeah. It's very nice. It's good. I approve. Thumbs up. Uh, right. Thank you for letting me do it. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks, care. Jeff. Bye. All right. New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman in the house. And uh, Man, that was awesome. No, that, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool insight. Uh, I love I love the JR Ryder tidbits right there. The three tidbits. Uh, Justin, before I bring up our next guest, because he is waiting, but I'm going to wait for his partner to show up before I do this. So, I, I know you're waiting. I know you see us. Just chill. I got you. Um, but yeah, it, this is going to be fun. Uh, I got something right. special coming up. But before we get there, let's talk about the Lakers and the Heat uh, because it is official. The Miami Heat are moving on to the NBA Finals, and LeBron is going to go back to the NBA Finals for the first time since he played the Warriors in 2017 and or 2018, N- 17, 19. N- no, 18, 19. Come 18. on, 18. 18. Sorry. 18. He's made it nine out of the last 10 years. That's right. 18 is when he lost, and then 17 is when he won it. 16 is when he won it. Because 17, 18, they went back-to-back with KD. That's right. That's right. And they got smoked. So, All right. Well, (laughs) um, well, the Lakers back in the finals. The Miami Heat back in the finals. 
post LeBron for the first time. So it's kind of ironic that they are going to match up against each other. And uh, I don't know. I, I I'm done uh, doubting this Miami Heat team. Also, I am very, very, very much against the Lakers, so I'm really hoping for the best. At the end of the day, I just don't want to see a five-game series. I just want to see six or seven games. Please let it go that way. And with Jimmy Buckets and his intensity and the way that team plays, I'd be shocked if it didn't go that way. Well, they have some pieces that can really contend with the Lakers. One, you have Bam Adebayo, who I think was robbed of most improved player. There is no way in hell Brandon Ingram should have won most improved player. Now, I love Brandon Ingram being a former Laker, and I'm wishing nothing but the best for him. But the season that Bam Adebayo put together this year compared to last year, uh, he really should have been uh, most improved player. And then during this this offseason, they went out and got some dogs. They got out and, and got Jimmy Butler, who a lot of people criticize as being a bad teammate. Doesn't look like Jimmy Butler was a bad teammate after all. He was just in bad situations in Minnesota and in Philadelphia. Think about what where Philadelphia could have been if they had, you know, Jimmy Butler still on board. They'd still be but at home then, right now. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> and then they also got our guy saw Andre Iguodala. That's right, the baby. guy who Biggie. has been in the NBA finals for now six straight years. Six straight years, all those years with the Golden State Warriors, and then now with the Miami Heat. He's a guy that is very familiar with LeBron James and has been guarding him. He won finals MVP because, because he was he that guy him. that was yep. willing to start to go up and match up against LeBron. So defense, Bam on a bio, Jimmy Butler, and all of the shooters that they have. You know, Tyler Hero showing his stuff, going off for 37 points in this series. Duncan Robinson is a consistent shooter. This Heat team has a lot of pieces, and I'm, I'm telling you what, as a Lakers fan, I'm a little bit nervous. Do I think the Lakers are going to take care of business? Absolutely. But this will not be a five-game series like the three previous series. This is going to be a series that goes six, maybe even seven games because it's the NBA Finals, and it's it's going to be a dogfight, I got to say. And uh, the Lakers, they they better bring it. They can't be doing this, you know – going into game three, turning off the switch, and then just thinking that, oh, you know, we got this. You know, we have a game to, to give away. They've done that in the three previous series. They need to put their their foot on Miami's neck, and they need to take care of business because this is going to be a very tough series. It's The matchups are exactly what makes a game, you know, and what makes a series. And sometimes you look at a team and you're like, well, they can't match up with this team. Uh, but for whatever reason, they can. Uh, I think that was something that – when you look back at the Warriors, right, obviously the Warriors have two of the greatest guards of all time, you know, on their roster with with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, two of the best shooting guards of all time, right? Percentage-wise, from three-point range, free throw, like the list goes on and on. They're two of the greats. Um, but the knock on the the Warriors was is that they might be too small to handle LeBron and handle uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were a little bit of a bigger team at the time. Well, then you looked at the matchup styles and how everything kind of flowed together, and you realize, oh, the Cavs are not small enough to match up with the Warriors, and that became a problem. This Miami Heat team seems on paper to to mirror a little bit of those Warriors outside of the dynamic shooting range and all this other stuff, but Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson can kill you from the outside. Goran Dragic can drive and create for others. Yep. Jimmy Buckets you know, he does He does a little bit of everything. He's strong. He's physical. He won't back down to LeBron. And then you have Iggy, who's that X factor, who has experience guarding LeBron in the NBA Finals. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all really unfolds. It, it wouldn't be a, a surprise if we got down the road and it was like 2-2 or we were going to a Game 7 and you're like, how did Miami do this? I wouldn't be shocked because matchups, it's like styles make fights. And yeah. this could very well go down that road. Also, big shout out to Eric Spolstra, the head coach of the Miami Heat. How many times had, did we hear, well, it's easy to coach LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Anybody could be that guy. And then as soon as LeBron left, people started to ride off the Miami Heat. And Eric Spolstra still kept bringing the Miami Heat to the playoffs every single year. And now in a funky season, which I don't think 
the Heat would have made the NBA Finals in a normal year. Like if COVID-19 never happened, we could be sitting here talking about the Bucks or the Celtics playing in the NBA Finals. But this year is so wacky, and Eric Spolstra had these guys ready night in and night out. And it's all about the culture that Pat Riley has instilled from day one that he's been with the franchise. So uh, got to tip your cap to Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat franchise. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't but, wait. But, Justin, as I promised, something coming up right now, I'm going to bring in two of my my very good friends and also, of course, their University of Arizona alums, uh, one, the one Brett Berry and one Adam Green because, oh, Justin, oh, because, Justin. I need a drink. Because, Justin, I wanted to play Conspiracy or Not. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's been a while. We haven't played it for a while. And so I have been seeing some crazy things today, conspiracy-wise. And obviously, some of it has to do with politics and Canaan and all this dumb shit. But there's also another element of it where, you know, you guys got to guess. Is this a legit conspiracy or is this completely made up on my part? So let's let the games begin. This first one. The Rock was executed by military tribunal this year, and the the cabal is using his likeness to help elect people. Uh, there, there is there is a conspiracy that that's not really the Rock you're looking at on TV. It's somebody that looks like him. Is it a real conspiracy or not? <laughs> Did he smell my cooking? I don't. I don't <laughs> that's fake. That's fake. That's fake. You, you okay. came up with that. Okay, you guys. Yeah. I think that's fake. Okay, that's two for fake. That can't even fake. be a real conspiracy, right? <laughs> like that's so fake. Like, like who no else? Way. Who else looks like The Rock? I mean, I gotta listen, find that guy. They they could think it's like twelve people in a rock suit filling it out, <laughs> <laughs> like in a big trench coat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could def definitely be that. Yeah, right. I, I really um, quick, guys, speaking of The Rock, I don't remember which Fast and Furious movie it was, but when he gets out of the hospital bed and just like breaks his cast off by flexing his left arm, it's one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. Uh, it's, oh my it's brilliant Fast and Furious. It, it's perfect. <laughs> well, uh, guys, I am sorry to break it to you, but it is, an, in fact, a real conspiracy that somebody is trying to spread on the Twitterverse. Twitter is both amazing and the worst place on earth. Just 2020, so is, 2020 is the wow. worst. <laughs> His, he goes by the name of at Cameron Trexler, and he is actually saying this like legit. He quote tweeted uh, The Rock's endorsement of Joe Biden today saying this. So, so this conspiracy Adam, is like 15 hours old. That's it. <laughs> Adam, yes, since, it is. Adam, since you bring up uh, Fast and the Furious, it reminds me. That uh, one of my favorite parts of that movie, and this actually happened, it was like it was just completely improvised. It was not a part of the script at all. When he's walking to the barbecue <laughs> and Tyrese sells, hey, Mia, hide your baby oil. And the rock says, hey, hide your big ass forehead. It just keeps <laughs> it just keeps walking. That was completely improvised. It was not a part of, of the movie at all. I loved it. All right. Next and conspiracy. Then the Tyrese. So yes. Tyrese is actually the fake. The rock is real. Apparently, those yes. two really do not like each other either, just so we all know. So, all right. Next one. During Prohibition, the government poisoned alcohol to keep people from drinking. Conspiracy. Mm, what do they poison it with? What's I mean, a, that, that's a conspiracy. Is you're, you're trying to guess if that's a real conspiracy or not. Isn't, isn't alcohol technically a poison? Right. To a degree, yes. But they're saying they added more stuff. So they made it boozier? Like the ABV got higher? I guess. I Just guess. Injected into my veins. We're good. Right. <laughs> That's real. I, Conspiracy. I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with fake. Okay. I'm gonna go fake too. All right. Well, Justin is now one for two, and you guys are 0 for two because mm. it is in fact real. Now, what would happen is is before the the years of 1923 to 1929, um, they would actually put chemicals in there to stop people from selling alcohol and liquor. Um, that's why that's where the speakeasies came from, and people would sell them underground, right? Well, the government actually promoted more chemicals into liquor to try and stop people from making their own moonshine and obviously it paid off because today we have thousands and thousands of gallons of alcohol and liquor everywhere so <laughs> it paid off i guess mm -hmm. 
Love like, it. Picture them putting that in there. People like, this is even better than before. Give me more <laughs> yeah. of this. It just totally backfires. And Wait. the birth of absence. What, what was yeah? What was their end game there? They're like, I'm gonna poison this like moonshine that already tastes like rubbing alcohol, and I'm gonna yeah. make it even more detrimental to your health rather than just shutting it down. I can't wait for the government to come out and say, I'm going to make you smoke so much weed, it's going to make you feel too good. (laughs) 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 All right. Next one. February February is the government's blood sacrifice season in the name of love. (laughs) I'm going fake again. Valentine's Day. So so you're you're a fan of this, huh? The answer is C, right? You always go C. So whichever one that is attributable to. Like one of these has to be fake at some point. So I'm gonna go with Brett here. Just like we've had a couple of reels. This has to be fake. Okay. So all three of you are saying fake? No. Everybody's winner. Oh, you're saying it's conspiracy. Okay, well, uh, sorry, these two, these two got it right, you got it wrong. It is a it is a fake conspiracy. Yeah, and I completely made that up. So there we go. Did you Last, make up the fake ones? Is that what I, happens here? Oh, yeah. That's how the yeah, game yeah. works. So, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to social that out and say it because if I do that, then. And you start like a, your own QAnon thing. And I it's should, just like. We should. We should. We should just start a QAnon for dummies tweet, Twitter <laughs> handle or something like that. That'd be fun. Saul, Saul, you made that thing up. And in like six weeks, that's going to conflate into going to like a Julio Bertos and somebody's going to show up with an AR. Absolutely. <laughs> Last one. David Bowie predicted the rise of Kanye West. Specifically, Kanye West, or specifically Kanye West. Oh well, then I will go fake. When we talk about the rise, are we talking about the rise of a of a pop star or rise of of a rap star, egotistical maniac? Okay. Uh, Well, presidential candidate. They kind of go hand in hand, don't they? True. Um, I'm gonna go fake. I'm gonna go fake. Uh, and Adam, I'm going to say true. I'm going to say that's a real conspiracy theory. My man Adam is right on the money. He is, he is the ultimate Ow. winner of conspiracy theory. Not David Bowie oh, was. Ow. He predicted that Kanye would be as great as he was, and then ultimately fall off the face of the earth. David Bowie, out of all people, I know because I'm thinking at that time. Guys like David Bowie wanted nothing to do with hip hop, so I just don't see the relationship whatsoever. I don't know. I feel I like David. That. I feel you like David to... Bowie would say, "Be like, hey, that guy seems really, really like smart and brilliant, but he's way too out there." Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> he probably created well, labyrinth in his head. Well, well dressed as Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I actually saw a TikTok today, and and this girl was was looking at the labyrinth. And she was like, I haven't seen the labyrinth since I was a kid. And she was watching him. And essentially, David Bowie was wearing gray sweatpants. And she was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just started laughing. Wow. At. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, real <laughs> quick, Adam, are you wearing a, a making bacon hat right now? Um, well, I know you guys with your show, you always have really cool hats on. I think Saul's is. Significantly cooler than yours, Justin. Like, no offense, but I mean, let's be honest here. Um, no, it's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Like, nice. they did like their bacon days, and I bought this hat. I also have a taco hat and a cheesesteak hat because minor league baseball teams are the best. Is it the puffy taco hat from mm-hmm. San Antonio? The missions? No, it's the one from the Bay Area, actually. I forget. Okay. Oh, who are they? They're, they're, I think they're a Giants minor league team. Okay. But they were like the tacos Fresno? from Thursday nights. So. It was nice. great. And, for Tuesday, I, like your, on my I hope it's Tuesday. And what's your trucker hat there, Brett? Oh, my my very classy trucker hat. This is one of my drinking hats. Okay. Uh, it's been a, it's been a bit of a day. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but uh, this is actually a, a a fairly rare hat. I kind of collect hats. Um, and this is from a brewery in Tucson called Crooked Tooth Brewing. Uh, I'll let me zoom in on the. You know, I don't know if you're uh, NSFW on your uh, video stream, but it has a topless lady dancing next to a cactus. Okay. But uh, All right. you know, it's also like the cheapest possible hat you could manufacture, but it's also really rare. And yeah. I love it, and I love the brewery, and I know the owners, and they're fantastic people. Um, you know, uh, 
there there are a couple in the 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 she she went through some like health things a few years ago and you know that he's super nice and they're just great people and i want to support them awesome hey we're all about that adam brett we appreciate you guys for joining us tonight it was simple easy conspiracy or not here we go we're out (laughs) thanks guys conspiracies man they've gone like they've even gotten crazy and that's unreal like when you can't tell the difference anymore, it's it's a problem. I feel hey, like g- on one, but a problem. Guys, when's the next uh, social distance drinking club? Podcast, yeah. Stream. Podcast. Stream, yeah. Well, well, Brett's frozen, I think. He doesn't know what to say anymore. We're recording on Wednesdays and Sundays right now. We we changed up our schedule because we're not ready to compete with the NFL, we decided. So we'll be yeah. doing them Wednesday, and you can catch them at Social Distance Drinking Club. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. I think we're on like twitch now too or something i don't even know where we are but you can find us you know on the facebook for sure we're on, we we're on all those think, things the kids the, facebook. the kids are on yeah it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to take a look at the social distancing drinking club it's definitely something you should check out on facebook they always come up with uh many different topics to talk about it's not just beer they also talk about alcohol and cigars and i've seen a couple of your episodes big fans of it and uh, keep up the great work we, we really like it appreciate yeah, that thanks guys all right, guys. Cheers. Adam Adam Green and, and Brett Berry joining us for some conspiracy or not unplanned today. But uh, I wanted to do that, that for was you awesome. just because I just saw some craziness craziness on uh, on Twitter today. And I was like, dude, I got to do another conspiracy or not because it's been a while. You saw some craziness on Twitter and you also thought, man, for some reason, I have some just weird shit going through my head right now. That's just completely fake. And I think I got to put it on the podcast. So <laughs> some of the stuff that you, you came up with, man. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I just alter them, so it's not it's a conspiracy, but I I like change them so it's a little easier to come up with it because I'm not really that effed in the head. So, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, NFL stuff, man. Whoo, man. Today was a day. Uh, I was not a fan of today. I will say that <sighs> right now. Uh, our picks today were just a murderer's row of foolishness that I never want to go down again. Uh, as you can see by my column on the left, I completely got everything wrong except for like five games. And my man, Justin, uh, he actually came out on top. Man, let's start off. Jags, Dolphins, I don't even want to go into that game. It was terrible. It was a travesty. The Dolphins smashed the Jags. The Jags just pack it up and move somewhere else. Uh, Texans, Steelers, uh, what were your overall thoughts of that game? The reason why I picked the Texans was because how the Steelers looked last week. The Denver Broncos had a lot of holes on both sides of the ball, and yet the Broncos still had a chance to win in Pittsburgh. So I thought the Texans, a much better team, much healthier team than the Broncos, they should be able to go up and take care of business. And that didn't happen. The Texans were up a couple of scores. Weren't they up by two touchdowns or something like that? And then it all just kind of collapsed. And yeah, it, it was a pretty close game all the way throughout. Um, but well, again, initially, I, Texans I, got out to a lead, and I, I thought it was going to be over with. But I thought the Texans were going to, you know, snap the streak and go to, you know, at least one and two. But nope, they're 0 and three now, and it's not getting any easier for them. Bengals, Eagles, man, that was a that was kissing your sister today, man. Uh, Joe, Joe Burrow could have got his first win, but the, the Eagles, after letting the lead completely slip away, come fighting back tie the game with like 20 seconds left to go. Um, and then neither team could do anything in overtime. So they both got a tie. So at least they didn't win or they didn't lose. I should say Carson Wentz. You're out of here, buddy. Pretty close. You're out of here, buddy. Jalen hurts time. Let's go. Oh man. Uh, giants 49ers, man. I thought the same thing that you thought with the Steelers and the Texans. I thought with the giants and the 49ers, because I was like, okay, yeah, Saquon's out. But the 49ers have like 89,000 people injured on their roster. There's no way they could compete right now. And boy, was I wrong. They came out and just whooped the Giants. And the Giants might be the New York teams, the New York, the tri-state <laughs> area. It might be the worst football in the country. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Buffalo Bills are actually by far the best team in New York right now. It's not even close. Not even close. Not even close. That's nuts. It's just nuts. So yeah, uh, 49ers moved to two and one. The Giants moved to 
0-3, uh, along with the Jets, who we'll get to in a second, Raiders and Patriots. Uh, the Raiders looked like they were going to be able to hang, and then it just kind of fell yeah. apart. And then the Pats, I mean, typical Bill Belichick style, like they just kind of wear you down, and they just, they're just they so methodical, and they're so fundamentally sound. And Cam, man, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cam and the Pats, man. I am. And one thing that they really did today was run the hell out of the football. Uh, you saw Rex Burkhead get a few touchdowns uh, today. And a big shout-out to... My guy, J.J. Taylor, University of Arizona product, he actually led the Pats and carries today, had 43 yards. He looked pretty decent for an undrafted could, running back. He could have had a touchdown today. Yeah. I, I don't know if he missed it. He dropped a ball, screen pass, Cam hit him right in the hands. If he'd have turned upfield, there was nobody in front of him. It would have been like a 25-yard touchdown. Um, but, um, yeah. No dice there, but he yeah. still lives to, to fight another day and he'll be back next week and hopefully he'll get his first touch. Uh, mm -hmm. Vikings, Titans, man, this was a close game too. Titans, oh, you know, they, 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 they were fighting, trying to get back into the game. The Vikings pretty much controlled that game from beginning to end until like the last four minutes of the ball game. And then the Titans made a run and that was all she wrote. The lead the Vikings had, I really thought they were going to secure it because as we know, Tennessee is a run first team. They're going to wear you down. They run the football. And I just thought there was no way the Titans were going to be able to come back into the game. But Vikings, once again, finding a way to lose, not looking so hot. Meanwhile, we uh, the Sunday night football game is still going on right now. Packers look pretty good. So that's going to be a, a very interesting division to watch as it unravels. For sure. And then the Washington football team, they're terrible too. Uh, I saw them last, last week, kind of watched the whole game with them playing the Cardinals. Wasn't a fan of anything they did. They come back against the Browns and the same thing. Um, man, Dwayne Haskins. It, I don't even see like glimpses of like, ooh, that was a nice play. You know, at least I'm seeing glimpses of that, you know, from, you know, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of your quarterback. Why Why can I not think oh, of Oh, Justin name? Herbert. Justin Herbert, you know, the way he throws that ball and it comes out of his hand, it's nice. You know, Kyler Murray showing some glimpses of, like, just amazing talents, both with his legs and his arms. You know, you have guys like that all over. Josh Allen, you know, like these guys that are in their first, second, third year. Um, even Joe Burrow, like, you see signs. You're like, oh, yeah, that's that dude. But, man, Dwayne Haskins looks like he should, stay, he should still be in college. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it at this. The fact that we both predicted the Cleveland Browns to win and it actually happened shows just how bad this Washington football team is. And I agree with you. Even uh, Sam Darnold with the New York Jets, they are so bad. They are so terrible. But there will be glimpses where I see Sam Darnold make a throw. Like, uh, for instance, last week he was getting out of the pocket and almost got sacked and kind of threw a, a ball off his back foot for a touchdown glimpses. I'm not seeing out of Dwayne Haskins and yeah, they're bad. Speaking of bad, a horrible call at the end of the Rams and bills game, um, Man. which was the pass interference call gave bills life on a fourth down. And then the very next play, Josh Allen continues to show that he's got a little bit of it in him and he drops a nice little dime to the tight end for a touchdown. And they beat the Rams in the last 20 seconds of that ball game. Oh, that was that was a fun game. Again, another one of those games that could have gone either way. Vikings, Titans. I picked the Vikings. You picked the Titans. You won. Same thing with the Rams, Bills. I picked the Rams. You picked the Bills. And the Rams had come back down from a twenty-eight to three deficit to take that lead. Yep. Oh, Saul, so I had the Spider-Man pointing meme in the drafts ready to go. The Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> And the Buffalo Bills, twenty-eight blowing twenty-eight to three leads. I had it ready to go, and then as soon as uh, that that penalty came, and then j that Josh Allen touchdown, delete, delete, delete. Had to had to get rid of, of the meme. I keep hearing people say that Josh Allen is their uh, leader for league MVP. I'm not ready to go there just yet, and and I've heard that a few times today. And I think we just need to pump the brakes a little bit because we're about to talk to talk about some guys that I think are a lot better than Josh Allen. Well, I, I was going to say that today, too, because after they win, like everybody goes berserk about Josh Allen. And I'm like, I'm still not a believer in the Bills. I just am not. I know they beat the Rams and they they handled the Rams for the first three quarters of that game. Like they really did. And I was surprised at how easily they were able to do that. So I think the Bills as a team are legit. 
do I want to go out there and say that the, that Josh Allen is an MVP contender? I'm not ready to go there either. I I just I need to see a little bit more, and you know maybe it'll come. I don't know. I'm not saying he won't be. I'm just saying right now I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon. So, uh, the Falcons. Speaking uh, of twenty-eight to three leads, <laughs> hey, it, it, you know we used to, you know we used to have this thing when I was in the military, when I was a, a drill sergeant, uh, where it was a, it was a we called a trainee who just kept screwing up over and over and over again. It was like uh, trainee can't get right. That's what we just call him. Like <laughs> trainee can't get right. You know what I mean? Like I don't care what your last name is. Trainee can't get right, and everybody would know. I was talking about this one individual who, no matter what he does, how hard he tries, he is always effing up shit all the time. The Falcons are that guy. The Falcons, they they cannot handle success, and they just keep oh, – I don't even understand it. I don't even understand it. Hey, also, it's been a while, but I have to say this. Sunshine. Oh, yeah, Mr. Nick Foles, <laughs> baby. Sunshine. Oh, I love the locks. Love magic. Back in the house, baby. <laughs> you knew Nick Foles was going to be on one. As soon as he threw that interception, which, by the way, people were like, oh, but he threw an interception. That was a dime by Nick Foles. That was just one of those balls where the defensive back made a good play. But he went to the sideline, took off that dark visor that he had on, and as soon as he came back in the game visorless, that's when I thought, Foles is back, baby. (laughs) Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter including one on third down. It was a 28-yard shot to uh, Anthony Miller for a touchdown. And I said it about Carson Wentz, and I'm going to say about Mitchell Trubisky. You're out of here, buddy. You're out of here. You got to go, man, because Nick Foles is that guy, and he's not a practice quarterback. This goes all the way back to when he was in college. Remember, he lost a quarterback battle to Matt Scott. Matt Scott didn't look so good through the first couple of games. Nick Foles looked good in a game against Iowa, and then he was the the quarterback for as long as he was there. Same deal in Philadelphia. Uh, You know, obviously Carson Wentz was that guy, but he goes down with an injury and then leads the Eagles to a Super Bowl. He's not a practice quarterback, but, man, that dude is a gamer, and when he's expected to do big things, Sunshine always stepping up to the occasion. Hey, he had a nickname at the U of A for a reason, and I'm not going to say what it is over this microphone, but we all know what what it was. And so, you know, hey, Nick Foles is big. And so he comes up through – he always comes through the clutch. He always – he does it. He just he's just that dude, man. I don't know what to say. He's just that, he's guy. that guy. And ever since ever since he was with Philly, it was like they found a way to to really utilize him and and use his skill set. And now he's back with the same offensive coordinator, which is crazy that he was with in Philly. So it's a it's a great opportunity for him uh to to shine. And so he that's what he's gonna do. All right, uh Panthers and Chargers. Uh yeah. Hey, what I tell you, I told you, I said, yes, your man, Justin Herbert was going to look good in week one or the first week because nobody had an opportunity to see what he was about and prepare for him. The Panthers did just that and they made him struggle big time today. As soon as you said, I told you the first thing that came to my mind was the part in Friday when Ice Cube and Smokey are about to walk out of the door. And then their, uh, Ice Cube's dad walks in after getting bit by a dog. And then Ice Cube was uh, telling him, I told you. I told you. I told you. And the dad's like, you didn't tell me shit. <laughs> you, didn't tell me, you didn't tell me shit, Saul. Uh, man, I, I just I don't know why the Chargers are just the same. They Every single game is the same, and they always find a way to lose – close ball games and play down to their opponents, but they also play up to their opponents. Like we saw last week against the chiefs. They had a golden opportunity uh, late in the game where Keenan Allen had a, uh, had a catch and could have pitched it in lateral lateral dit to um, Austin Eckler, but Eckler completely fumbles it. And that's pretty much the game right there. They can't find a way to score. It's just, it's gosh, the, the, the yeah. freaking Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, they are wounded. They, these guys are tanking for Trevor Lawrence right now. They are in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, and yet the Chargers just find a way. It's so frustrating, man. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Well, Jets Colts <clears throat> talking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Um, Jets and Colts, Colts manhandle it. We don't even have to talk that much about that game. Yeah, it was pretty much over pretty soon. The, the Jets had one great, nice little play early on when da- Darnold scrambled to the right and hit a hit a man in the corner of the end zone. It was a nice throw. That's the glimpse that we were talking about earlier. But outside of that, the Colts, uh, you know, they're handling their business against bad teams, and that's what they're supposed to do. You know, outside of their week one loss, they've won two in a row, back-to-back weeks. They're looking pretty good. Uh, Cowboys and Seahawks, that was a pretty good game. Russell Wilson, my fantasy football quarterback, threw five touchdowns. He's the reason why I'm competing with Ali Farhang, a.k.a. Ali Boumaye. So good win for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, whoever has Russell Wilson, a guy in my other league that's playing against me has Russell Wilson, and he's up by 60 points right now. So he had Russell Wilson and Derrick Henry. I'm not looking too good. So Russell Wilson continues to impress, man. Talk about MVP right now. He would be my hands hands down front runner for MVP. Not even close. Thank you. Thank you. And that's where I was going to go with the whole Josh Allen thing. Russell Wilson, 14 touchdowns through the first couple games of the season. Uh, Looking like it, a boss. It's so impressive. Yeah. Bucks, Broncos, the Broncos. Again, fool's gold with the Broncos. You thought, okay, well, you know, they come back and they're going to be able to do this, that, and the other. And then people are able to scout your quarterback and you fall apart against the Bucks. And Tampa Bay rolls to two and one as well. Best thing the Broncos did today was put up cardboard cutouts of South Park characters in their home stadium. Other than that, not much going for Denver. <laughs> Lions and Cardinals. Oh, you know, again, when you're talking oh, about man, tall. when you when you're talking about good teams, good teams find ways to beat bad teams. And the Lions are not a very great, they're not a very good team. They're they're an okay team, but they the Lions always Lions, just like the Falcons always Falcon. Like you just got to know that. Well, the Lions did do that today, but one Mr. Kyler Murray probably had his worst game that I've that I've seen him have um, since he's been in the NFL. Three interceptions, and they were like easy interceptions, like just you know straight up, like the ball was out late and the defenders were able to pick it off, and Matthew Stafford made them pay. Uh, Galladay came back today. The Cardinals had the Lions, Panthers, and Jets as their next three three games. The next two are on the road. They played the next three games on the road, actually. Three games back-to-back-to-back weeks. You got to win games like this if you're trying to make some noise. So I still have my doubts about the the offense gelling a little bit. I still have my doubts about that defense. I just I want to see more from the defense. I want to see some more pressure. And until that happens, the Cardinals are going to be in some shootouts if they can maintain pace um, against bad teams. Well, especially in a tough division like the NFC West, like you need as many wins as possible. You stack now those that wins, man, you got to stack them. You got to stack. You got to stack them, and because the divisional games are going to be tough every single time, it's going to be a, a dogfight every single time you play against these opponents, like the Rams. You know, even though they lost today, what they showed in the second half, they still looked like the Rams that we know from a couple of years ago. Russell Wilson, he's got my vote for MVP this season. The division is so tough. Even the 49ers going on the road, I get I get it. It's the Giants. But for how wounded they are, for them to pull off that win and how dominant they looked, it's going to be tough. I'm not worried about the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, while he did have a very pedestrian second half, the footwork that he showed today, it, especially that touchdown where he completely juked out a defender on the goal line, Cardinals are going to be just fine. Yeah, no, I, I have no doubts about that. I just, you know, again, I, I wish – um, there was more of a sense of urgency. It did look like they were a little bit, um, you know, kind of malaise in the way they were playing today. And you just, you'd like to see more than what you were seeing. And, uh, you know, it, it is what yeah. it is. So no, no big deal. Um, and then I think that's about it. That is it, man. That that's mm-hmm. it. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, but uh, we, uh, do have one more segment to go. I know that for a fact. So we might as well just, Go ahead and get to it, yeah? All right. Well, you have one. Don't be that guy. <laughs> if you hadn't get got a chance to watch that Texas Tech, Texas game yesterday, well, Justin's don't be that guy. <sighs> the quarterback. Quarterback, Alan Bowman. So Texas Tech goes up by 15 points 
with just a few minutes left into the game. And of course, doing a little bit of trash talk, Alan Bowman decides to throw the, the hook him down horns because he thinks the game is already in the bag. But you know what the Texas Longhorns did? They did their best Michael Jordan impression and said, I took that personally. <laughs> and then they come back. They get the onside kick. They score and find a way to put it into overtime. And then when Texas Tech had a chance to go down the field and score a touchdown to put it into double overtime, there was a fumble that was ruled an incomplete pass. And then Mr. Allen Bowman throws a pick on the next play. That, my friends, is called karma, sweet karma. And, yeah, don't be that guy. Just don't be him. Yeah, that's that's tough. I don't have a don't be that guy for this week. And matter of fact, the only thing I do have is, is as we as we move along and, and get out of the show for today, um, you know, the tell me something good, right? Tell me something good. This is my tell me something good. This is going to be me standing on the soapbox for a second. But this week is a very important week. And the reason why is because the presidential debate comes up on Tuesday. And whether you fall on the left or the right or whatever, or if you're still undecided, it is your civic duty to listen to these guys and make your decision based off of who you think can run this country the best. And obviously, there's a lot more to it than just one man pulling all the you know, strings on the country. There's a lot of things that go into it. But it is your duty to find out and investigate and, and look at the facts and the details and how these two are engaging with one another. That comes up on Tuesday, the first of, I think, three debates, including a vice uh, president debate. That's step one. Get involved. Do your do your part. Watch these things. This election is monumental. It is so big. And like you said, Saul, it, regardless of what side you fall on, don't be so judgmental. And, and that's one thing that I've learned about with politics, and now it's starting to become more mainstream and it started to leak into sports, is people think you're just the worst person ever if you fall on the other side. And I'm here to tell you that I am friends with people who fall on both sides. And I'm sure, Saul, you hey. can agree with me on that one. Absolutely. There's, there's still great people. And, and I just want a lot of people to realize or focus on this as we move forward towards the November election. No matter what side your friends fall on, don't burn your bridges and, and don't, don't be that guy. <laughs> you know, Don't be that person that just throws away friendships, great relationships just because of politics, you know, that we need to love each other. 2020 has just been an absolute shitty year. And at the end of the day, we are all Americans. We are Americans. We are under one country. We need to stay unified as much as possible. I hate how divided this country has become, but I, I think there are, you know, greener pastures ahead. And then your and then your tell me something good was actually um, kind of a representation of that. Just people taking care of each other. Sometimes it's um, friends taking care of friends, family taking care of family. In this instance, it was a father taking care of his daughter uh, in the most innocent way possible. Is beautiful. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is awesome. Set the scene up, Justin. It's so beautiful, man. So this father is. Uh, a New Yorker. He's got a Bronx sweater on and he's painting his daughter's nails before they go to the park. And uh, you can't listen to this video, but to hear her, her sweet voice say, thank you, daddy. She's just so grateful that her dad was painting her nails. And then if you see the way they were moving their hand, he was telling her, nah, son, get out of here. Like you got to say that, nah, son, get out of here. And that was just their way of, of drying off her wet nails right before they get to the park. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just so cool, man. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty dope. I thought for a second she was wearing a Guns N' Roses jacket too at the end, but it's uh, it's a different <laughs> yeah. brand that mirrors the logo of Guns N' Roses, which I thought was pretty cool too. But um, again, yeah. you know, just, just be a good person, man. That's all we're saying. That's all we've been saying. That's all we want. We want everybody to get along. Mm -hmm. Can't we all just get along like Mr. Rodney King said back in the day? Just can't we all just get along? Love each other. And it, that's Love it, man. Other. That's all. That's all. It's all about. But anyway, again, major thanks to Jeff Perlman, and good luck with his 
his new uh, book, The Three Ring Circus. Again, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do right here. We put uh, links in, in the in the comment threads for you to be able to purchase the book. There it is for you. Awesome, awesome book and um, uh, a nice job by him overall and painting the picture of what that time in, in, in basketball was really all about for that for that Lakers team. That was a time where social media wasn't around. Like, could you imagine Twitter around that time when Shaq and Kobe were two NBA alpha dogs Twitter, on the on the Lakers M- team? NBA Twitter would have been out of its mind. <laughs> out of its mind. So anyway, Justin, tell them where they can find us. Man, great episode today. Like you said, Saul, big shout out to Jeff Perlman. Check out his book, Three Rings Circus. But Please check us out, Total BS Podcast. We're on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button for the live Sunday show. And also follow us on Facebook as well because we also go live there on Sundays. And for the audio edition of the Total BS Podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, and please share with all your friends. Our guys, Adam and Brett, actually, um, also, I want to thank them for jumping on as well. Uh, But they actually kind of hinted towards something that we are thinking about. And, hey, if you have a suggestion, if you have a thought on this, I would love to hear it. But the NFL comes up on Sunday, and we have these Sunday streams. And it's kind of difficult uh, bumping up against the NFL on a Sunday night because the views just aren't going to be there. So if you would like for us to move our podcast uh, live streams, to a different night, maybe on a Tuesday, let's say, because Tuesdays, usually there ain't anything else really going on. Hey, why not? So drop a note in the comments, and we'll think about moving our show. It's definitely something we're considering. Um, outside of that, we still have our Thursday podcast that comes up every week. And this week, we have Luke Lipinski joining us as well. Uh, he's kind of a local area guy, but he knows a little bit about everything, and he's going to kind of catch us up on uh, catch us up to speed on the Major League Baseball playoffs and the NHL Stanley Cup, which should be about to wrap up because the Tampa Bay Lightning look like they're about to seal that thing uh, next time around. They just lost in double overtime yesterday, three to two, uh, and and missed out on their their Stanley Cup, but they might get it tomorrow. We'll see. So, revenge tour revenge tour that's it that's all revenge. it was man until next time we will see you when we see you peace your fans just might turn into our fans be cool it's just part of the program spit your best 16 if you must you're not whack you just sound whack rapping after us Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans be cool it's just a part of this program spit your best 16 if you must you not whack you just sound whack rapping after us